Welcome to the inaugural podcast of Toward Justice, sponsored by the Justice Network of the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Eric Logan. I serve as a board member of the Justice Network, and I will be your host for our podcasts. In this initial recording, you will hear from our two co-chairs of the Justice Network, Kathy Calhan Howell and Joshua Canada. You will hear them share the origins of the network, going all the way back to B.T. Roberts. They will address our mission, that is to extol and deepen the Free Methodist Church's historic commitment to oppose oppression and restore God's wholeness to those who have been disenfranchised, both in society and within the church. And they will explain our strategies for bringing this to reality. So sit back and listen in as we discover the origin story of the Justice Network of the Free Methodist Church. This is the inaugural edition of the Justice Network podcast. My name is Kathy Callahan Howell, and I serve as one of the co-chairs of the network. And I'm Joshua Canada. I am also a co-chair of the Justice Network. We want to start with something of our origin story. And I like to tell people that when I think of how the Justice Network started, I want to go all the way back to BT Roberts, right? Because actually, that was his mindset. He was a very justice-oriented founder of our church. He supported causes like workers' rights, free pews. He was campaigning for women to be ordained all the way back in the 1800s. So we started there. And then the next place I like to go to is the roots that go back to Q, which stands for, it doesn't have the letter Q in it to clarify, it's C-U-E, <laughs> Continental Urban Exchange. And that was a group of pastors who cared about the cities in both the U.S. and Canada. That's why it was called Continental, because it was both countries. And that group began at the end of the 70s and later formed the Free Methodist Urban Fellowship. And they would have a yearly meeting. And it was probably the most diverse gathering across the church. It would gather people across the, the racial issues, uh, different kinds of backgrounds that would come together that cared about justice issues, especially ministering to the poor, especially anything that affected the city. And the next step in the process would have come in 2015 when the general conference, the bishops convened what they called the Embrace All Initiative. And because of that, we looked at the different inequities of the church at the time, how we were doing in terms of diversity and other concerns. And from that, we started that Focus held two conferences in 2018 and 2019. And out of those conferences, the Justice Network was birthed. We wanted to meet in 2020, but you know what happened there. And so let's let's think about that for a moment. Joshua, you want to talk about what happened when we couldn't have our meeting as expected. I came into this work with what is now the Justice Network, kind of through an embrace all in relationship with, with Kathy. And I just want to uh, kind of reinforced those values that connected me, those kind of early values of B.T. Roberts and, and free Methodism, um, from the Farmers Alliance to being abolitionists to women's rights in, in the church, yes, and seeing equity there, but but also in society. Those were things that really resonated with me. So I started to get involved kind of with Embrace All, and, and then 2020 hit, and Kathy and I had been talking about kind of pulling people together and, and putting this kind of more formalized network together. Uh, and as we did that, we got hit with the pandemic, and we had to pivot and say, well, what does 
this look like? Because we can't obviously host a conference. I think we we held on for a while to see maybe it was in those early stages of the pandemic where no one knew if this was going to last two weeks, two months, and now we are two years into it and still dealing with ramifications. But we were in the stage of trying to figure out what to do. We put together kind of a board of clergy and lay. I myself am a lay lay member and lay leader. Uh, we said, you know, let's leverage our ability to uh, work online and to bring in speakers online to highlight women and men within the denomination and outside who are speaking to some of these core issues. So 2020, we decided to find the, the thin silver lining, if you will, and uh, start some dialogue and conversation and events on Facebook and online. Really, we wanted to start kind of with leaning into lament. So the, not only COVID, but the uh, the racial re- reckoning, yes, but I think making clear, particularly issues of anti-Asian racism and, and anti-Black racism uh, that were really just fraught in that spring. I just wanted, wanting to make clear that we needed to lean into that as a justice network and that that's almost a place that we need to start as a denomination and as a people to to look back and lament and, and let that desire from God to, to do and be different shape us. So that was one of our first events is to, to do some work on lament. And then throughout the year, we kind of brought in some other speakers and opportunities and did this extended kind of virtual conference and events throughout the year. This past year, we were finally able to meet in person. So we had our Justice Network Summit in Cleveland and brought together clergy and lady from throughout the country to share ideas, to be inspired, and to really, again, make a connection to make some kinetic energy around this justice work that we see as central to the denomination. Excellent. I thought it was very timely how we had already planned to start with Lament. And it just made a lot of sense for the season we were in. And then we really hit the height of the George Floyd events. And we were able to respond to that in a very timely manner, uh, not only with the Lament series, but then we had some series where we tried to center Black voices and hear from some of our pastors that have been serving in the church for a long time. And I think that was a real benefit to be able to, to do that and to also make some statements. We made a statement about the Asian American hate that was happening. We've been able to make some statements about some of these events that can just help people know how to talk about it in their churches. And that's kind of one of the things that we want to be able to do. One of the things I really valued about uh, bringing Joshua on to the board was he has a really brilliant mind for writing things and for capsulizing how we're thinking. And so he was an instrumental person in writing our mission and our vision statements. And the mission, as we say it, of the Justice Network is to extol and deepen the Free Methodist Church historic commitment to oppose oppression and restore God's wholeness to those who've been disenfranchised both in society and within the church. And I appreciate on how that pulls from the past and keeps us centered in in the present and does both. So, Josh, you want to say anything else about that and about, you know, how you how that resonates for you? Yeah, it's funny because I mean, glad we're on a podcast so people can't see my like no 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 don't talk about me i don't want to hear that like phys- physically recording now it, it, really i think putting the language together was a, a collective work and trying to pull from the pieces of our denominational history that um are really true and i and i would argue resonate 
especially with with a lot of a lot of folks who've come into the denomination in the past 20 years and have really found it as a home at least kind of the, the folks that I know well this this idea of wholeness and holiness as really restoration as 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 creation healed this holistic shalom in the world that is justice oriented that's societal but that's also yes with within ourselves that is something that that kind of thing in tandem of the kind of personal wholeness within ourselves and the holiness of God that wants to restore and redeem the, the world in ways that bring bring wholeness. That is justice, that, that righteousness and justice are in tandem. Yeah, those things really just connected. So for us, trying to say, how do we put this in our mission and then really tie to the ways that we saw, again, historically, um, that the FMC has, has had the values, at least, of wanting to be in the places of the margins and, and the disenfranchised and say, what does it mean for us as people of God, as kind of a peculiar people of God to, to be in and step into that, but also to look at ourselves in the church. Um, I think one of the pieces for us is we see that demographically we have a diverse church in some places. So is there equity in there? Is there justice in the way that churches of color, communities of color that are within the FMC experience a sense of belonging for the women who are lead pastors or ordinands or lay leaders. Um, what does that look like? So making sure that we're not only outward, but we're also inward in how we reflect. And that has been really one of the dramatic experiences I've had in the events that we have held is there have been people at each event who have resonated with our purpose and have felt seen and included. And we've had people every time say, this helps me stay in the Free Methodist Church because I found the people that I can resonate with. So that's been very yeah. encouraging and rewarding to see those connections being made. So some of the ways that we thought about how to make this mission tangible, how do we kind of do the work that's ahead of us was to come up with some strategies. So we've got four strategies as a justice network uh, that we focus on gathering, advocating, monitoring, and resourcing. So for, for gathering, that is the kind of providing the the national conference, some regional conference, and then some annual conference level gatherings for clergy and lady to get involved, to learn from one another, offer resources, but also that the aspect of creating a, a place of belonging, that uh, kind of safe space for folks who really see this as a way that keeps them linked to the denomination, linked to the work that they they do. Uh, so gathering is one of these big kind of big strategies that we we do and that we take on for the work. So that ties in well to my previous comment about folks that have connected because of the gathering, and it's also the case that it's a great conduit for some of our resources, which we'll talk about as we go forward. But just to see the face of other people that are concerned about the same things you're concerned about and to feel not so isolated has been really important and really key to a lot of people as we've gone forward. Yeah, as we said, even when we have had to pivot and do the online, we found this opportunity to gather people online in ways that some folks who hadn't been able to go to the Embrace All gatherings previously were able to engage in. And I think even them kind of finding some community, finding a network that was there. So another one for us, that second one is, is advocating. Uh, so really working with the National BOA and the Board of Bishops to kind of assess where we are, like how well are things going with our denomination? You know, 
a lot of the, the impetus for the Justice Network came out of work that Kathy and some others did, uh, trying to get real and honest about where or the lack of uh, women lead pastors in the denomination, equitable experiences for, for pastors of color and leaders of color. So part of our role is to say, how do we continue to advocate? How do we continue to have an ear from the Board of Bishops and the National BOA to make sure these things don't kind of fall off the radar and that are always prioritized for us? It's also important that we have kept our network as a grassroots movement. We're functioning in concert with the denomination, but as a volunteer organization, we're really grateful for all of our wonderful, dedicated board members. And it's interesting, in particular, we have a BOA member on our network board, and that's Eric Logan. And so that gives us the opportunity to feed things there as needed. We stay in touch with the Board of Bishops, and we want ourselves to be available when someone needs advocacy. We want them to feel like we're approachable, that there's somebody from the board or from the organization that they can reach out to. It might be intimidating to try to reach out to a bishop or someone that they see as you know, a big power differential. And so here we have pastors and lay people who are, are more like peers that can can be contacted and ask questions about if somebody is struggling with something that they need some advocacy. Yeah, I think that grassroots piece, that tied to the system, connected to the system, and the bishops have explained their support for the Justice Network and BOA, sorry, the acronym, the alphabet soup there. But also, again, yeah, having that independence and having that ability to say uh, we are tied to and we are within the scope of what it is to be free Methodist and aligning to the Book of Discipline, but there are ways that we can kind of act. And, and I would say really create this kind of horizontal structure between different conferences and pastors and leaders in a way that I think has been just really helpful and people have really appreciated throughout the denomination. Amen. And then our third initiative is called Monitoring, and it's about staying abreast of current events, providing position papers when appropriate for approval by the Board of Bishops and offered to the General Conference to give guidance to our pastors and members. I think this is an important role that we have, and there was a new initiative taken at our last General Conference that provided for SCOD, which is our Study Commission on Doctrine, to basically tap into practitioners when it was necessary to think about position papers. So we have these people on the, the study commission on doctrine are seen as expert theologians, but sometimes you need someone with, you know, boots on the ground to know what's going on in the community. And so part of that was looking at folks like the Justice Network and others who could help with the immediate situation. With the Board of Bishops, you know, they have so many different responsibilities, so many things they're trying to monitor all the time, and it's really hard for them to constantly be coming up with ideas and positions on just every event that happens, like which things do they need to respond to? And, you know, they have to decide that. And the benefit of the Justice Network is we're small and nimble, and we can just act. When we think something important, we can come up with a statement, get it turned around pretty quickly, and get it out there to be of benefit to the church. So when something happens fast, you know, we can have that ready to be used, whether it's a lament for the upcoming Sunday of some tragedy that's happened or something that we need to respond to right away. So that's, I think, one of our best strengths is being able to provide that kind of resource for the church. Yeah, you know, and it, it is an interesting piece in the the monitoring and 
being able to kind of put out position papers or statements of kind of where we are as as a network and how we see that connecting to our theology as free Methodists, our Wesleyan theology in, in our era, particular history as a denomination. When the January 6th happened, we were wrestling with, well, what is what is a response look like to that? I think for us, it was important, particularly there's lot, lots of issues in there that we talk about and, and the, the language and discourse around charging the Capitol, who was there, the differing responses to to this demonstration and this kind of attack on the Capitol than kind of other folks who may have been, been, been marching the Capitol and trying to express themselves. But I think particularly the, the conflation of our the Christian faith and kind of nationalism and kind of being an, an, an American and this the civil religion piece is against especially looking into our history, looking into the Anabaptist parts of our history of our, like this is something that we need to address. This is outside of the line of who we understand ourselves to be as a domination and, and as as a worshiping community. So there's sometimes things that we even will take a risk on to say it's important for us to make the statement. And at a minimum it sparks conversation and thought function, even if not everyone agrees. But for us, we believe it's important to put out there and to say and to make sure that things aren't normalized. It shouldn't be normal. I remember the thing that first showed me we needed this kind of thing predates the Justice Network. And that was the Charleston shooting when the dear souls at Mother Emanuel were slaughtered in their church. And I felt like it was really important that we had a way to respond to that, an immediate way to respond so that even that Sunday, people were able to lament that and to stand in solidarity. That just seemed very clear to me. And so that was one of the reasons I actually helped draft the article to take to General Conference about this kind of an idea. Mm-hmm. And then I also want to say that as Joshua referenced the paper we did on January 6th, that when that came out and there was some pushback, like who is this group of people and why are they trying to speak for us? You know, and we tried to clarify at that time who we were as individuals, like the people on the board, and that it was the statement of the Justice Network. It didn't mean it spoke for everyone, but it was meant to be a resource for others to take as they saw fit and to be able to frame what had happened in that kind of a context. So I think that's our role, uh, not that we're speaking necessarily for the church, but more like to the church as the Justice Network to give that resource, which ties into our fourth initiative, and that's resourcing. Uh, We want to maintain a website with resources that address issues of injustice, a learning community of elders, pastors, and lady who are actively developing capacity and ability to launch and sustain ministries that intentionally pursue justice. In particular, that we're going to do these resources that regard race, gender, economics, environmental equity from the perspective of our Wesleyan holiness heritage. We want to do this to address theology, spiritual formation, and activism. And this is where the Resources we provided over last year, this is the point of starting a podcast, is to provide another means because that's what some people enjoy, you know, that kind of a method of learning information. The summit has been our main way to do that. And then we've been able to record parts of that and get that out there for folks that can't attend. I was really moved at our our summit this September. We were able to secure the speaker, Dominic Gilliard, and he had just written a book called Subversive Witness, and we were able to provide that book to all the participants at the summit. And then he spoke about that. And what I loved about what he said was he, he really, in that book, and I highly recommend it, 
gives us a biblical framework because we're always hearing from folks, well, what's this justice thing, you know, and, and how's, what does that have to do with the Bible? And he really breaks that down well. And he looks at the biblical role models for justice that we can use as our role models. And so that was a really wonderful moment for me to hear this talk, this book that we were able to provide to the church and say, you know, here's one of the ways you can connect the Bible to the justice issues that we're concerned about. I think that resourcing piece is so essential because it, it's one thing to kind of be able to talk about it and to kind of do the things in the gathering, but it's a, another thing to equip a pastor's lady, um, others who are interested to, to kind of do the work. So, I mean, Dominique spoke, I know several people after the summit who kind of pulled some things for the, from his commentary in the book and it's kind of gotten integrated into their sermons. But I know it's like some of the learning communities that Mercer Maddox Hefferman has been able to do, who's a pastor at New Hope in Rochester, but be the bridge to a, a curriculum about race and reconciliation in the church. But to, to walk through curriculum, through books, through other resources with leaders who then themselves will be doing that work in their local context with their constituents. So for us, it's important to make sure that that is that that's generative. So it's not just kind of this like giving out of stuff that will get lost the next day or when the next kind of cool thing comes around, but that, that people can actualize, people can utilize again in their context, in their local church, in their community. So to close, I just wanted to take a few moments to talk about our personal experiences as part of the Justice Network. When we started this, I really wanted to ask Joshua to be my partner in leadership, partly because I believe in that. I believe in working with other folks. And as a white woman, I specifically asked him as a Black man to be my partner because I wanted to represent those different pieces. And we've tried to make our board as diverse as we possibly can. I'm also a pastor. He's a lay person, just all of that. And as a white woman and as a, a female clergy, the Justice Network has been meaningful to me because we've tried to really make women feel valued as we have selected speakers for our events. We've made sure that we have good female representation, that it's not just men speaking. Uh, we've also tried to center people of color as well. And so that's important to me. And it's important to me as a white person to participate in this network and in this effort to both continue to grow myself in ways and learning more about you know, my own privilege and, and how I need to leverage that for others and also to, to use any influence I do have and any power I do have for the common good. So those have all been pieces that have been important to me and that I've appreciated about being part of the Justice Network. How about you, Joshua? Kathy and I were kind of talking about what it would look like to, to put this thing together and to formalize. I think I, initially I was like, yeah, I would just love to help. And then she said, no, I want you to help, help lead with me, which, yeah, I was, I was kind of humble and, and willing to take on. And I, I do think that piece of clergy laity mix is, is important. It's one of the things I've valued about the poly and history of the FMC is that that parity should be there. And then, yeah, the, the I think the the racial and gender realities, uh, the, those at least two parts of, of the many pieces of our identity and self that me as as kind of a black man, there's my kind of racial self as a black person and a black Christian, I think bringing that into the lens of 
what we think about as Justice Network, my own story with U.S. Christianity and racism that is interwoven, inherent in that, uh, particularly I grew up in Virginia, so the, the pieces that are there. That's a part of my story, that's a part of my Christianity, my experience with, with Christianity and how I engage with it now that remains and right, it rearticulates into my experiences. I uh, just talked about George Floyd, how I process that, how I think about my son and my daughter and how they will interact in the world and as, as the church and people of faith, what, what does that look like? And so being able to bring that to, I think, the conversation and what we try to do as a justice network and tying in, although I'm not formally kind of owning a leadership in the African Heritage Network, being just kind of tied to many people there and, and, and having a strong affinity for that group. So bringing alongside the community that has existed for a long time in our denomination. And I think, yeah, we've got some opportunity, not slowly just the network, but I think for denomination to really emphasize and grow that. But then there's this piece of me of, of being a male. And I think the balance of that part of my identity does come with privilege and does come with the ability to to not have to recognize what my women colleagues, whether they're lay or clergy, but particularly clergy, go through and the barriers that are cultural and systemic. So the ability of having Kathy as a partner in this and for her to have that lived reality and to make sure that that is on the forefront is really beneficial. And then I think for us, rounding out that we try to have as diverse of an executive committee as possible to, again, acknowledge that even, even in our best selves, even in our deepest desire to be aware of the ways in which people might be on the margins in FMC or in society, we're going to miss something because we have our positionality that we see the world from. And even as that expands, there's stuff in our periphery that we just don't see. So I've been really appreciative of my relationship with Kathy and us co-leading together. And then also this collective voice of the executive work uh, that helps help shape what we do, helps shape our lens. And we push and pull one another because we also are in different conferences. And so we get different realities of what the FMC is and what the, the local culture and context is. So this leading collectively as a team is something that has been pretty essential and I think pretty impactful for us. And the diversity I didn't mention is age generation, you might say. I have a few decades on Joshua, and I appreciate the perspective from our board, from some of our younger folks that they have a different experience than I do. And we have the pioneers like Howard Snyder, who've been the progressives, the denomination for a long time that we tap into as well. And so that's another layer, I think, that is really beneficial to see how the people react to things differently. And Joshua mentioned regionally, you know, the experience in Southern California is really different than in Ohio and it's different than in Florida. And those are places that we have represented on our board. So that's really been helpful as well to kind of get the pulse for different parts of the country. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that reality that we also know that we're, we're growing that phase, that phrase that we people usually attribute individually that, that God ain't done with me yet. I think God ain't done with us yet. Like we have things that we know that we're still growing in the gaps that we still have as as a justice network that we want to lean into, right? That's and that's how we allow God to come into the spaces and form and reform us. And and I'm also just really thankful that that's that's our posture with convictions around um, justice, around the fact that 
again, holiness, this, this righteousness and justice are tied together in scripture and particularly for our denomination. But then we also have a humility and that like we will continue to be formed and grow and grown by the ways that the Holy Spirit moves us. So. And I want to add that we were about to add some additional board members. So I'm excited about some new energy and some uh, new knowledge that will be brought to bear. And we're grateful that you've listened to this initial podcast and hope you'll be watching for more to come as we try to reach out with various kinds of resources for the church. And we're excited to do that. And thank you so much for being part of this today. Thank you for listening today. And we hope that you'll join us for our next episode when we hear James Lackey share about a Methodist ethic of justice. Meanwhile, what are your next steps to take you toward justice? You may want to access the book mentioned in today's podcast, Subversive Witness by Dominique Gilliard. And stay tuned for an upcoming episode from the author himself. Please share this episode with those who you want to engage in our justice work And remember to mark your calendars for our next summit in September. Check out our webpage at justicenetworkfmc.org slash justice-summit for the details. We look forward to having you back next time as we work together toward justice.